Hello and welcome to another episode of Armchair Opinions. Armchair Opinions is a blog where qualified philosophers answer questions asked by non-philosophers. Here on the podcast, we take a closer look at some of those answers. My name is Alex Impey. I am joined by armchair philosophers Carl Messenger. Hello. James Brown. Howdy. And our guest today, Dan Garner. Hello. Dan gained his PhD in religions and theology at the University of Manchester, where he then lectured for four years, teaching the history of Western philosophy, among other courses. Under the microscope today is Dan's opinion about whether it matters if aliens exist, written in response to another question from me, Alex Impey. Thanks again, me. So, Dan, talk us through your opinion. Thank you. Um, Well... Any question of that kind to do with alien life and, and, and that kind of thing is always generally interesting to everyone. And the first thing I thought with it is that it kind of involves a hidden premise, I think, whether that was conscious or unconscious uh, for yourself, I'm not sure, in, in asking it. But the the immediate thing is whether life itself matters, because mm-hmm. we can talk about alien life on any number of other you know kind of speculative planets. But if life itself doesn't matter or it has no objective value, then alien life forms, wherever they're found and whatever kind they are, you could quite easily argue that their life doesn't matter as well. It's all equally kind of valueless. But that feels a little bit like a cop-out, and I didn't think you really wanted that Mm. as an answer. Um, (laughs) So really, I thought you were asking about the kind of practical implications of what alien life would be for human beings. So for the sake of argument, I think we just kind of begin, and I I recognise that this is a a big ask, as it were, but if we say that life does have inherent value, there there is some kind of uh, value to um, human beings and any any kind of life, and we go from there, what would the practical implications be? Um, So thinking about that, the kind of, the main thing that stood out to me was the idea of sentience. Not um, necessarily equivalent to ours, obviously alien life could be sentient in in any number of ways, but um, if we use humanity as a kind of of a a base level in in terms of the argument we're talking about, what would it mean if we came across aliens who were much more advanced than us, so they're conscious, sentient beings, but they're just almost off the charts or perhaps completely off the charts in terms of what we're familiar with? Or as a, a, another option, what if they're sentient but not as evolved as us? I, I guess you'd have to imagine something like a kind of maybe chimp level alien somewhere, that kind of, you know, where there's uh, sentience feeling some level of emotion. Um, and what would that mean for us? So I think those were the, the main things that governed how I tried to respond to you really on that was the kind of the level of sentience and the practical implications of that. If we're thinking about those two, the main two things that stood out for me really was that if we're dealing with something much more advanced than us, it depends on the kind of moral orientation of the alien in question. If we're talking about mm-hmm. something that is, uh, I suppose that we'd characterize it as a imperialist, that kind of thing, it's just looking at other planets mm-hmm. as um, resources, you know, we'd be, in, we'd be in huge trouble. We could just be simply food or some kind of other resource, slave labor, something like that to them. But the opposite could also be true, that we could be dealing with something that is benevolent. Some kind of, you know, aliens come out of the sky, like the movies, that kind of thing. But they actually help us in some way, uh, which I think at this point in a Western civilization's life, we we need a lot of help. So it would be a mm-hmm. it would be a bonus <laughs> if that did happen. I'm not holding out for it, but... Um, <laughs> That, that could be an option. We could, you know, get lucky and some aliens come along and help us solve, us, uh, solve all our problems. When we're talking about potentially kind of less sentient alien life forms, I think that would largely depend what we're dealing with. But you, you get the same kind of problems. But for us, how do we react to these kind of uh, alien species that may not be mm. as uh, sentient or conscious as we are? but are the equivalent of kind of earth animals of some kind. And, you know, given the human treatment of, of animals on this planet, 
it, you know, it's a, it, it's a bit of a gamble to say that we're going to be suddenly changing our ways in dealing with uh, some kind of mm-hmm. uh, extraterrestrial entity that could be harvested or, or become a resource for us. Okay, Dan. Yes. I'm going to give you a really, really easy question. Um, in your opinion, <laughs> you answered on the assumption that there is inherent value to human life. I'm going to be a pessimistic old man and ask you to please clarify slash argue for this assumption. Please prove to me that there is meaning to this existence. <laughs> please, Dan. <laughs> please. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Have you seen... Anchorman. I have actually a long time ago though. The scene where Ron Burgundy says that escalated quickly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> can we can we prove right? Okay. Um <laughs> Yes and no. No, depend okay. but it kind of depends on your premises. Okay, so I would say if you are looking at this or your kind of life in general from the perspective of a kind of reductionalist materialist view of the world that you know the world is composed of matter in motion under physical law and there's nothing else to it then i think you you're pretty much in an impossible situation uh, intellectually and philosophically if we weren't in that situation i think or if that wasn't the case we wouldn't be so kind of morally destitute as a species today. Materialist reductionism is kind of the default setting of culture, I think, in general, and I can't see a way out of it. You, you know, you're, you're alone on a speck of dust around a very average star, and okay. mm-hmm. sooner mm-hmm. or later, you'll be forgotten. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and it's okay. it's a kind of terrifying thought in that respect. If you uh, you know, um, if you have habits similar to my own, where you like visiting graveyards from time to time, you know, if you see a, a nice old graveyard, that kind of thing. The one thing that always stands out to me, if you, if you do feel pessimistic and morbid and like walking around graveyards, is all these names on all these stones. Uh, no one remembers them at mm. all. And then if you mm. can think about your own situation, your own um, ancestors, most of us have no idea who our great-great-grandparents were at all. Their whole mm. lives, their whole toil, everything they did brought us to where we are, and we literally don't even know their names. Oh, so <laughs> it's, it's a sobering thought. You know, um, it's... It's, it's kind of very depressing. Happily, though, I'm not a reductionist materialist, so I don't have to... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, I do spend a lot of time thinking about that, but I think if you operate from a kind of a perspective of idealism, kind of philosophical idealism, going back to um, George Berkeley or, say, German idealism, Hegel, that kind of thing, where if, if you accept that mind is the principal thing, mind is the fundamental thing, uh, and that that matter is, you know, maybe associated that in some kind of dualism, or maybe you want to go for a, a wholesale idealism where it's kind of always easier to to run the equation that it's it's easier to imagine that mind imagines matter rather than you can get mind from dead inert oh. matter just by you know mm. jiggling it around in a particular way and suddenly thoughts and emotions come out of it there's always that hard problem of consciousness there but if you start from the opposite premises i think you can probably say there is inherent value and meaning to life because meaning um, assigning values that kind of thing is what consciousness does it is the very thing of what it is i realize there's all kinds of problems and questions with that as well but um, (laughs) yeah so really depends on your premises so sorry are we talking about there a uh, instead of worrying about atoms and molecules, what we say is, oh, um, there is value judgments, for example, between different things that exist within our minds, and they are the primary glue of the universe from our perspective. Something like that, right? We'd say, oh, because you think and feel and that kind of thing, that's more mm. important than the table being made out of wood or whatever. Yeah, 
you'd start from the phenomena of consciousness itself and the things that, that are immediate immediate to it. Yeah, okay. Alex, does that make you feel any better about your, your, your situation? I always struggle with this because I think, like this is when you said at the start of your opinion, um, it was like, oh, well, if you don't assign like meaning to human life, then it'll be hard to understand why alien life would matter. And that's like, I think that's exactly where I was coming from with that question, where it's like, it's really difficult to like assume, it almost assumes that we are like the magnum opus of the earth or like if we're alone the universe which to me doesn't it doesn't seem right and the Mm -hmm. idea that like if there was life on a different planet what bearing does it have on our planet if if it's just like amoebas if we find amoebas on mars the implication is like huge because it means oh maybe there's more life out there Mm -hmm. but what like tan like there's there doesn't seem to be like a tangible effect on us as a planet like if we can't interact with the amoebas and we haven't seen a sophisticated life so far like in the entire time that we've been on the planet which hasn't really been that long but it's like well we've no it's possible we still haven't interacted with anyone like it we probably won't in the future and we've got a lot of problems on the planet as it is so what does it matter like there's a lot of effort into trying to figure out if we're alone in the universe but i don't see really what the implication is if we aren't so we have more pressing concerns right? yeah i do honestly think that we have a lot more to worry about right now and i don't think that doesn't mean that does it matter if aliens exist full stop like if aliens exist that's crazy like that the implications of that are wild yeah but does it matter right now? I don't think so. Like, but whether I it'd even make the headlines at the moment is another matter. You know? <laughs> what well, the, yeah. the amoeba or more serious things? I mean, I think if a if a if a if a flying saucer appeared in the sky over Manhattan or something, that'd probably make headlines. Mm. Yeah. So I did ask the question with the idea in mind that, for me personally, I don't really see massively the inherent value of human life without creating this like egotistical magnum opus of earth and potentially the universe if there's no alien life kind of thing i don't agree with that so for me the the idea that we're all just we're all just on a speck of dust flying through space and one day we're gonna die like in a hundred years no one will remember you that's never really bothered me i don't know why um it's just always been like a fact like there's billions and bit there's been billions of people on this planet there's no way you could remember all of them and who knows what life was on mars or any other planet even in just our solar system that's long been gone it's just seemed as a sort of fact for me so yeah the idea that if there's no inherent value of life for us i don't really think it matters if we find out if aliens exist. So if the, so, if you'd say there's no um, uh, there's no inherent value to life, like so, would life just be kind of like a series of distractions until you die? Is that kind of would would that be the the sum of it? Because if so, you could say that finding alien life would be a really great distraction. You know, that'd be yeah. something cool to while away the time. Yeah. When I say I say it. I don't think there's inherent value to life. I don't agree with that in the sense that I look at a person, I'm like, you don't matter. You're or like, worthless. I don't matter. Yeah. Like, you're I think basic. it's. Yeah, you're basic. <laughs> you're boring. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I don't think that. I think it's really like, I think humans are g- great for the most part. We kind of suck at the moment. Um, but. <laughs> and, and all the other life on this planet is great. I don't think it's pointless. But it also is. I don't know if that makes sense. Well, I had I had a question for for Dan based on yeah. something um, he said in that in that opening paragraph about whether life is inherently value valuable or not. Mm. There seemed to be um, the implication that if life doesn't matter, then our existence is meaningless and futile. And I didn't know whether that was perhaps um, possibly an unjustified assumption. 
I mean, it depends, I guess, as it always does on the meaning of some of these words. But I was reminded of um, uh, the myth of Sisyphus and um, in particular what Camus had to say about it, I think. But so say if if life could be compared to Sisyphus's struggle of having to push a boulder up a hill only for it to roll down at the end of, of each day. You could say that that's that it's point that it doesn't matter. You know, it just doesn't matter. The boulder starts exactly in the same place every spot regardless of all your effort and toil um, but you still might be able to derive some meaning from that struggle you know as as you're walking back down the hill to start pushing the boulder up again just because it kind of doesn't matter you still might be able to draw some meaning from it so perhaps it's yeah I, so I was just curious about this this assumption of yours that if life doesn't matter then our existence is meaningless and futile I don't think that's necessarily true. I mean, uh, Sisyphus is like a one-man argument against that position, right? Because yeah, I think he so. was he did something pointless for presumably eternity. Yeah, but we we know his name, and I don't yeah, know my great granddad's right. name. You know, so who had the meaningless existence, right? You know, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, I think um, if you're talking about kind of subjective meaning to whichever kind of particular location of consciousness as in an individual that's dealing with the particular set of problems they have in that life, then yeah, I don't have a mm. problem with that at all. That individual can definitely create and live by meaning, as I think uh, the saying is for Sisyphus, isn't it? One must imagine Sisyphus happy to endure it. So that's fine. The problem, I think, is that we have a sense of reason that can put ourselves beyond ourselves so if sisyphus lives in the moment pushing the boulder and enjoying the exertion of it and the the daily trial that's fine but sisyphus can also step outside of himself uh, kind of uh, in an abstract mental way and imagine himself as you know infinitesimally small pushing what's a, an infinitesimally small piece of dust on a slightly larger mm. piece of dust in a universe that just doesn't care and it just doesn't mm. matter and i think once once you let that out of the bag as it were you get a tremendous sense of kind of existential vertigo that it's mm. it's very hard to deal with some people can just shut that off you kind of meet people all the time i think that are kind of so focused on what they do that though that that kind of position doesn't really uh, bother them or doesn't even occur. And that's fine because you can mm. then go go through life without having to have that kind of existential dread. But It's going to catch up with you eventually though, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, well, that's the problem. That We're all human. We all have that capacity. And at the end of the day, you can step outside of your individual circumstances and just go, you know, this really is worth nothing at all. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I actually... Wait, I I read, uh, I finished Jean yesterday and there's a really, in the appendix at the end, there's a really good quote from it about like the nature of life. So it says, there's an eternally recognised beauty of motion and balance on any man-healthy planet. You see in this beauty a dynamic stabilising effect essential to all life. Its aim is simple, to maintain and produce coordinated patterns of greater and greater diversity. Life improves the closed system's capacity to sustain life. Life, all life, is in the service of life. And then it says, I just like that quote because I think it just means like the purpose of being alive is just to make just to improve the other things alive around you and to bring new life to the planet so he's basically saying it's like necessary nutrients are made available to life by life in greater and greater richness as the diversity of life increases the entire landscape comes alive filled with relationships and relationships within relationships which makes me feel a lot better about being like on a speck <laughs> of dust because it's basically like I don't have any meaning perhaps in the entire like yeah. throughout the entire universe it doesn't matter but over by and above me, being fertilizer yeah exactly yeah. but if I die and then plants grow and then maybe there's like a random plant in there and then an insect is like oh that's a nice plant and it starts eating from that plant and then that randomly mutates. And then over time, you get more and more biodiversity. And that yeah. life 
creates more life. That just makes me feel a bit better, I think. But Alex, if life doesn't matter in the first place, it doesn't matter how much life you've got. It's still going to all be worthless. And what about when the sun explodes and just eradicates <laughs> it all in a second? Well, what about when, you know, the thermal death of the universe? What about when you build a sandcastle and the sea comes in and destroys it? It was still fun to build, wasn't it? Kind of, maybe. It really actually annoys some, me, actually. It's not, yeah. <laughs> I think you, you almost answered your own question there, Alex. I thought that would have been a really good, uh, a really good conclusion. With <laughs> what, the sandcastle, the, the sandcastle. Yeah, thing. okay, yeah. I take it back. Yeah, the sandcastle is really fun to build. Only if the sand's a bit wet, though. If it's dry, it's not very fun. It's no. coarse and rough and irritating. It gets everywhere, it's doesn't it? You're yeah. back to Sisyphus, then, aren't you? It's a bit of a, an uphill struggle with no payoff. Maybe like the next time he pushes it up, he's like, "Oh, this one's really good. This one's a really good rep that I'm doing." Yeah, really good rap. I mean, ironically for Sisyphus, if he'd have had the top of the hill, it was a bit sandy, he could have probably positioned the boulder at the top. left it there, yeah. Yeah, and it yeah. job done. I'm imagining now as some <laughs> yeah. kind of um, prehistory. Yeah, like kind of Sisyphus just did it for the gains. It was all for the gains. If <laughs> 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 you looked at it from that perspective, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And in a way, his life would, would stop having meaning as soon as he completed his task. Yeah, he'd be like, how, do, how does he get his gains then? Yeah. So maybe all the gym yeah. lads have actually found the meaning of life. Yeah. And we're all making fun of them. The gym bros. Gym They're bros. onto something. They're onto something. 300 reps for eternity. <laughs> Head empty, <laughs> just pushing the boulder up over and over again. Okay, cool. Is everyone happy with that segment? Yeah. Yeah. No. Well, yeah. Obviously, no. But (laughs) there was no conclusion. Yeah. I mean, no. I mean, um, Dan did say that it's uh, that that on the assumption of of idealism of some form, we can Mm. get around this problem. We can walk away. I think that's nice. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's walk away. Uh, Dan, um, so what I was thinking with this question was, uh, okay, we're, we're, we're cast adrift on a speck of dust um, in, in a universe that doesn't care, right? So it doesn't matter. Life is meaningless. It doesn't matter if aliens show up. Their life is meaningless too, right? Who cares? Yeah. Let's have a war or let's, you know, uh, explore the universe together. Who cares? It doesn't matter either way. That's that's great. How what? However... Um, there's a way to give your life meaning and still hold on to your materialism. And it's by embracing Jesus Christ. And we say, oh, it's fine because the universe isn't meaningless. It was created. The world was created by God. And um, he made all the animals on, I think, is that on a Thursday or something like that? And then, yeah. And then he, he, he made the fjords, got the award, that kind of thing. And then, um, and then he does all this sort of stuff. And then he he creates a uh, an effigy of himself or, or splits his essence. Also, I'm, I'm not. A, you can tell I'm not. A, I'm not a theologian. But he has a son anyway through some sort of some uh, complex means, and that son then dies to to free us of sin somehow or something. And there's this brilliant story, and so we can live this happy, meaningful life as long as we embrace the divinity of Proto Superman Jesus. Uh, but then, oh no, my question would be. I'm in this happy place. I'm a materialist. And yet, uh, because of Jesus, my life has meaning. But then the aliens turn up and um, they, they they arrive. And uh, I think, oh, my God, no, that's not in the Bible. The, the, did they have their own Jesus? Um, you know, or are they are they, you know, just were they were they one of the animals that was made on the on that Thursday or, you know, would it not be the case that as soon as the aliens turn up, everything in my belief system as uh, say a fundamentalist Christian or, but you could take any, any religion you like, but a religion that is sort of earth centric would, wouldn't it just be blown apart? And so I'd have to be like, Oh no, my religious belief has failed. And now I'm again on that speck of dust cast adrift in a universe that doesn't care. Yeah. uh, I think if, if you're taking a very kind of literal reading of the Bible, then you're going to have significant problems because if it's if it's if every word in the Bible and I, when when I used to teach a few years ago, I, I had uh, some students very you know incredibly committed, say evangelical students, that kind of thing, and I okay. had ones who would who tell me if if one word is wrong in the Bible, 
then everything in the Bible is a lie and oh. we're all going to hell. Wow. Which wow. I wasn't okay. that sure of that kind of conclusion because if the Bible's a lie, then hell would also hell yeah exist? hell would also be a lie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah th- there are there are problems with it. But if if your position is that the Bible is completely true, then it doesn't appear to mention alien lives, other planets, that kind of thing. So um, I, I think you, you are going to be in some trouble. But if you're taking a more kind of nuanced view of it, and that the Bible is allegory, metaphor, that kind of thing. You, you mm-hmm. could probably relatively easily get your way around that. I mean, I, I only found out a few years ago that the the Vatican actually has its own kind of astronomical commission, and they 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 have a, a team of Jesuits who specifically work on <laughs> the implications and problems of the discovery of alien life for for really? Catholicism, and they have yeah. no problem at all. And one of the really interesting. Uh, sidelines that, that comes out of this is that I don't know whether he still is the, the head of, of uh, kind of Vatican astronomy. I'm sure that's not his actual title, but it, it's something like that. Mm-hmm. And astronomy is in there. <laughs> but but he argued that it could be the case that, you know, any number of other alien civilizations exist. We could have contact with them. And what we may discover through that is that it's humanity who is the lost sheep in the kind of gospel parable that all the other civilizations never abandoned oh. God and never required a kind of Jesus Christ event. It was only us. Oh, so right. all the others never wow. left their original relationship with God and have been doing fine. It's kind of like every mm. other planet is... You know, um, my sons keep watching various films on repeat all the time at the moment, and one of them is Trolls. And you know the kind of... Okay. The, the, Great movie. The, the, the kind of party <laughs> the trolls have before everything goes wrong, and it's just kind of the best thing ever. Mm. Every other planet's basically like that. Mm. <laughs> it's just here that we're in this kind of hell world, um, is, is, is one way to think about that. And we're trying to kind of work our way back into God's favour or something, back into the loop somehow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you just do the, the kind of standard things required within Catholicism in, in that respect. But that's that's very narrow just on, on Catholicism itself. I mean, think various other religions just wouldn't have any problem at all. Most forms of kind of no. yeah, shamanic belief mm. systems, uh, various forms of yogic practices within forms of Hinduism, they're completely used to that all the time. All, all your kind of top mystical yogis, this kind of thing, if you ask them where they're going when they sleep, they don't sleep. They say they're in communication with other entities throughout the entire universe all the time. They don't turn off. So they don't have any problem with it. Mm. <laughs> so just going back to the, uh, the, I really like this idea of the uh, humanity being the, the cosmic lost sheep. Yeah. So what's the case? So what happens in Revelations? What's the, what's the gist of Revelations? God comes down and, and sorts, sorts everything well, he, out. Yeah, he sends the uh, four horsemen. And most people will die, and and die die not to be saved. Um, you're kind of gone, gone for good. But those who survive will kind of be welcomed, maybe back into this cosmic community where everything is 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 wonderful. They make a new Jerusalem, don't they? Yeah, a new a new Jerusalem comes down. So yeah, the if you could think about that in alien terms, I suppose you know the kind of a it sounds like a <laughs> yeah. spaceship, right? The alien New Jerusalem descends. Those of us who are worthy get to live in it, and if you don't. Uh, you know, off you pop. You're just a, a slave to a space chimp. An, inte- an intelligent space chimp, though. <laughs> right, right, yeah. <laughs> I mean, on some kind of naive understandings, I guess, of religion, well, I wouldn't, even, I wouldn't even actually dare to say the naive, just on some understandings of religion, and for many years, God was living up somewhere in the sky, right? I mean, and like earlier iterations of religion, like... Um, the pantheon of the gods would literally be physically up there somewhere in the clouds. I mean, they're extraterrestrials, right? If they live somewhere up off planet Earth, then they're extraterrestrials. They're yeah, I mean, there's a whole cottage industry of literature on precisely that kind of thing. I don't know if you've ever heard of uh, Eric, I think it's Eric von Daniken, and then various people after him from, from the 60s, 70s, through right to now. I mean, cottage industry is probably not doing it justice. You know, it, it makes a lot of money for the authors. And their whole argument is that God was a spaceman, 
and all the Sumerian gods, they literally were extraterrestrials who came here, interfered with monkeys' genetics, and uh, gave us a bit of extra thought power, that kind of thing. Hung around for a while, and then off they went. A spaceman came travelling. Yeah. Was it Christopher? <laughs> right, this is it, yeah. It's all making sense now. <laughs> yeah. Is it Scientology that thinks as well that aliens came down? Isn't it that they think humans are aliens that came down to earth or something like godlike aliens got stuck in a human therans. form is that what it is the the therans i think uh, i'm no expert i have read a bit uh, the book once because i was given it you know on the street oh, it's yeah. quite it's quite good it's quite funny i got into it um <laughs> i i think uh the theron is like a uh, an ethereal being like they, like their unit their, their world was destroyed or something and mm. so so we're like a, a Puppet, we're we're like some sort of we're meat puppets that are controlled yeah. by a theron or something like yeah, that. Is we're, that right? We're, we're spiritually infested. That's right. These yeah. Things and yeah. Scientology gives you the means of kind of ridding yourself of them. That's the idea. It's basically a form of Gnosticism as a kind of religion. Right, you can just yeah. view it as same with David Icke, who I'm sure you've some some level of familiarity with. David Icke's whole spiel is basically is if you're looking at it, it's from a kind of phenomena phenomenology of, of religion. It's a kind of modern form of Gnosticism. And what do you mean by Gnosticism, Dan? Yeah, what's Gnosticism? Um, it, it goes back to kind of the start of Christianity and, and when um, Judaism and Christianity first began to, to separate and also massively influenced by kind of Platonism and Neoplatonism as well. But the, the basic premises of, of Gnosticism are that um, you are a soul trapped in a physical body. So as Carl said, a kind of you know meat bag that's, that's effectively <laughs> a flesh prison. And you need to get out of it. It's not about performing better in this life. You just need to get out of it and free the soul from it. It's a, effectively a trap created by a kind of a lower demiurge god who created the material world. And you need to find your, your real home through esoteric practices and specialized knowledge that's passed on in a kind of esoteric way. This is what frees you. And okay. that's what David Icke's wow. basically selling, as is Scientology. And, and, and David Icke... He believes the, which I'm not saying is not true, but he believes the queen is a reptile. Uh, is that right? On, only off camera. Okay. Okay. So that's not the party line. Is the... So sorry. So David Icke, David Icke thinks that only off camera or the queen no, the, is a reptile. The, queen, the royal family, in fact, are representatives of a kind of reptilian alien bloodline who can shapeshift mm. into human form. But uh, and obviously they do this for the cameras. But once the cameras are off, they're real. Mm. Total. I totally believe that. <laughs> <laughs> I see no reason not to believe it. So I guess the upshot is um, far from the discovery of alien life, like undermining religious belief. On some on some understandings, I mean they're the they're the uh, the uh, progenitor of religious belief. They kind of gave it to us, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. E- even you're, so, you're saying so the the god. God's got his own ufologist working in the Vatican, and according to you know our latest information, if the UFO does turn up, the Pope's going to be like, "I told you, <laughs> it's, it's going to be no problem for him yeah, at all." Yeah, they, well, through the Commission, they now have the kind of theological apparatus for it to not be a problem. Right? Wow, uh, what what a world! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but what if you said um, the aliens, if they? If the argument is that, oh, um, they never strayed from God, so they didn't need alien Jesus. What if you're like, well, you guys you guys are good mates with God, right? And they're like, who? And then they go out and like, I don't know, commit all of the sins at once. And they have a great time yeah. doing it. Then what's, what's the Pope going to do then? Yeah, well, I think they would simply have proven their further fallenness. So there's more uh, than one lost sheep. More sheep, yeah. More yeah. sheep, and maybe they're waiting for their alien for their Jesus. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Actually, but that's a really good kind of angle on it because I think one one issue that could come out of that is if we get kind of contact with some kind of super advanced beyond anything we can imagine alien life form that can still in some way communicate with us, because that's always a kind yeah. of open question. I mean, you know, we we can't communicate with ants or beetles. So just because we're so much more advanced, you know, we don't even have the ability to communicate. So we may come across something that is so beyond us, but it can't even 
you know, it's trapped by its own yeah. greatness in a sense. But assuming there mm-hmm. is some capacity to, to learn from each other and, and we show all our holy books to them and they just kind of shrug their alien shoulders and say, we, we have <laughs> no knowledge or use for this. And we've, we've never had any, any inkling of it. And we're so far yeah. ahead of you. Then I think you you probably would have some significant some issues, problems. Yeah. yeah. But I'm sure the Vatican line would be: this is our opportunity to educate the aliens. Um, be like, love thy neighbor. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the missionary. Yeah, missionize yeah. them. Yeah. To Mars. Yeah. 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 The uh, the space inquisition. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody expects the space inquisition. <laughs> So, Dan, I would like to challenge your claim that alien life matters in a practical sense only if the aliens in question are sentient. I agree that if they were sentient, then they must either be more or less advanced than us. But if they were more advanced than us, then they would just have their way with us and there'd be nothing we could do about it. Just as the boots' intentions are of no practical concern to the ant, so the aliens' intentions would be of no practical concern to us. And if they were less advanced than us, then it would be of no great immediate concern. To use your words, it doesn't help you pay the bills or deal with the death of a loved one, nor does it present any kind of existential threat. And so, whether the aliens are sentient is neither here nor there. But that's not to say that their existence wouldn't matter. Couldn't just the knowledge that we are not alone make us live our lives differently? perhaps draw us closer together as a species, even as earthlings, and situate us within a cosmic community, make us look up in the sky and wonder at our place in the stars, rather than looking down and worrying about our place in the dirt. What do you think? Uh, Yeah, I I probably agree. Um, And it kind of, I suppose, well, on one level it takes us back to where we began with Alex's question, in that the Mm. same set of problems still emerge there, in that you could look for value in terms of seeing some kind of um, relationship between different extraterrestrial civilizations and our own, but then would it really matter if we're just trapped in a physical universe anyway, and they're going to Mm. kind of disappear in time just as our civilization will? I think that's still a problem there. The only way out of that, I think, would be if there's some kind of technological get-out clause or a kind of technological escape hatch out of the problem in that whatever you think of humanity in terms of especially what we're doing to the planet at the moment, that kind of thing, and as we've done for centuries, there's a lot of negative things there. But for us being basically apes with bigger brains and opposable thumbs, the level of technology we've been able to develop in a very short space of time is kind of it's not really inappropriate to use the word miraculous we are Mm. a speck of kind of monkey dust who's mapped the visible universe which Mm. is extraordinary and if that's what we can do with what we've got so far if there was some kind of potential help or uh, co-working with some kind of other civilization or even if it's just off our own backs civilization might have a get out clause through technology but it'd probably be unrecognizable to us to us now anyway um, in terms of what that would involve okay so i mean i was thinking so uh, i was trying to perhaps reframe the question as it applies to just ordinary folks so i'm not talking about like states or governments or nasa or scientific bodies like i was just wondering whether just the knowledge so say if it was a headline one day on bbc news and then gone the next you know that alien life has been found conclusively we know it's out there we know we're not the only ones i was trying to imagine myself in that situation and think about whether it would change my mindset in such a way that i behaved differently or lived my life in a slightly different way i don't know whether it would I don't know whether it would kind of make me consider things in a slightly different context. I mean, what do you think? So if you if you knew for certain that there was life somewhere out there aside from our own, do you think you'd you'd think about things differently? What do you think? Like would it make you feel smaller, bigger? 
Um, yeah, well, it's philosophy, so everything is to do with your kind of premises, I suppose. In terms of me personally, if, if you're asking kind of mm. me as as an individual, how I would uh, react to it, partly it depend on the, the the kind of life that was discovered. So, with, what mm. what kind of level of alien are we talking about here, James? Yeah, so I mean, so what I tried to do in my question was show that the level of sentience or how how advanced they were doesn't necessarily matter when it comes when, well, at least when we're talking about um the practical implications because if they're more advanced than us they're likely to be light years ahead of us anything they like there will be done it just wouldn't matter it wouldn't matter there was nothing we could do to prevent them from doing what they wanted to do yeah and so i was tr- and, and if they were less advanced then again it's likely that they're much less advanced and that wouldn't bear on us in any particular way so i was just more interested in how the, the knowledge of existence of other life forms on different planets may change the way we did things on a day-to-day basis. And I don't know whether it would. I think perhaps for most people it wouldn't. The answer's probably no. But are you talking about like an amoeba? Yeah. Like if if they find bacteria uh, on uh, you know it, you know frozen in water on Mars, that's one thing. Or are you talking about space chimps? That's another. You know, so like on Pluto, there's a space chimp. Okay, yeah. that's you know that's case two, or there is the Galactic Empire that are coming to enslave you. I mean, this is completely different. I think what Dan was saying was: yeah. Are you talking about the bacteria? Are you talking yeah. about the space chimp? Or are you talking about Darth Vader's laser sword coming for you? Okay, well, I mean, so as I tried to explain in my question, I don't think it matters on the level of of, of how advanced they are. If we're talking about practicality here, the, I mean, so the question was just about whether it matters. And you can't capture entirely whether something matters just in terms of its practical implications. I know that Dan kind of gave an answer in terms of practical implications. And I was trying to say that as far as practicality is concerned, it doesn't really matter. It's neither here nor there how advanced they are. But we may want to talk about whether it matters in a different way. And I was perhaps thinking more about our mindsets or how we think about ourselves and what we do on a day-to-day basis. I think it does. Okay, I'm just going to quickly say that the amoeba thing I think is really, really important because if there's this implication that there is life on other planets, but it's all we're finding is like bacteria or amoeba, I think there's a an answer to the, is it Fermi or Fermi paradox, where there's this idea that there is life, life is possible on lots of planets, but the probability of it becoming as sentient as we are maybe is that's what's low maybe there's an event that stops most life getting beyond that point which i think will make us feel lonelier because it's the idea that there's almost like a carrot being dangled in front of you like guess what you might not be alone but you kind of are because no one else has got to this level i think that would be even more almost more existential than being completely completely alone because it's I don't know, I think that's more depressing, the fact that yeah. it's so close, but it's not there. But if there's like chimps and stuff like that, well, the implication is that, you know, at some point, maybe they will evolve to be similar to us. Personally, I think that would make me feel a lot. I don't know about everyone. I feel like it would make you feel less. There's this weight, I think, at the moment where it's like, mm. if we're the only thing that's alive in the universe, there's this weight. It's like, what do I do? Nine to five. I like move one like number from this cell on excel to another cell on excel and i'm mm. one of like like the only like species <laughs> in the entire universe that's sentient and all i do from nine to five is move this number to this cell that's all i'm yeah. doing that is so depressing but if there's like a chimp out there and i'm like oh one day maybe you're going to be in e- on excel your little alien <laughs> version of excel from nine to five makes me feel a bit better i think i'm like yeah maybe my life doesn't matter that much but it's not like i'm the only like species in the entire universe that's sentient so there's not that pressure anymore so i think it does i don't think you can i know what you're trying to say by like doesn't matter the implication of what if alien life exists full stop yeah what implication but i think you can't not think about it in that way although yeah so like you um you mentioned the 
I, I watched that video also that you, that you sent, and oh, that was really interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So they so like the, the the worry is with the Fermi paradox that there should be alien life everywhere, yet there isn't. So mm-hmm. what's going on? Yeah. Um, and so they postulate a uh, a boundary to life. They call it the Great Filter. That's you know, it. which That's um, it. yeah, which life forms in the universe just can't get past. And so they were saying, so either the filter must be before us in developmental terms which means we've already managed to work our way through it and that's great Mm -hmm. or it's ahead of us which will be an issue and so they were saying that if we found alien life that was less advanced than ourselves or even around about the same as ourselves then that would be disastrous because it would suggest that this this filter that pretty much wipes out alien life before it can take to the stars is is still ahead of us Mm mm-hmm so on on that understanding anyway if we found amoeba somewhere then that would be a big problem because it would suggest that we haven't yet managed to uh we haven't yet come across this boundary that tends to wipe out all life before it can take to the stars and be detected by other forms of alien life mm-hmm. but we are detectable right i mean you could you know yeah we, why aren't we receiving alien um you know ed sullivan broadcasts from the 1950s <laughs> you know be, because so you know we've sent radio waves out and yeah. you know so we, we're detect cosmically detectable so i think we've, yeah. we're, we're probably well past any kind of event i think the filter's in front of us do you think yeah alex thinks it's in front carl thinks it's behind no, I think it's in front of us because okay. look, like, look at our planet. <laughs> I don't what do you mean? <laughs> I don't think things are going to go up. Basically, in the next twenty years, next fifty years, let's say, generally, you think we'll wipe ourselves out? I think so. I think even within fifty years. I think the great, yeah. I think what was really interested me interested me about what you were saying was the implication that if there's an, an a species that's more advanced than us that mm. they'll destroy us i thought that was really interesting that that was like your first thought and i was like oh is that because to get that high up in the food chain or to be that mm. uh developed you have to have this like propensity or like inclination to destroy things so but i don't i yeah i was just gonna say like what there could be sentient extremely sentient alien life that's benevolent like like almost yeah. godlike and it's omnibenevolence yeah. so i mean i i kind of think going back to what uh, carl was saying that that maybe we have been detected by by alien species i know in um the star trek first contact film hmm. it wasn't until basically the aliens have been watching they were kind of on their in their periphery all the while but they don't hmm. take notice until we develop basically sufficiently interesting technology and it's not until they develop warp drive like someone manages to go warp one for the first time mm-hmm. and then i think it's the romulans show up and they're like oh hey didn't know you could do that let's be friends hey. yeah <laughs> what have you got there <laughs> yeah so i mean maybe we've been discovered by countless more advanced mm-hmm. alien civilizations but i mean the question was about our discovery of, of other alien civilizations mm-hmm. which kind of made me think if we did if we did spot alien life and it was far more advanced than ourselves, it'd only be because these aliens wanted to be spot wanted to be spotted by us. And I don't mm-hmm. understand why they'd want to do that if they were so much more advanced. No, what I mean is in term in terms of the paradox, yeah. If 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 so there's this event that happens that prevents so life's everywhere. Yeah. It doesn't get to a certain level of development because there's this thing that happens. Yeah, right? an the, extinction the, event. Yeah. An extinction event. It could be, you know, it could be a whole host of things, right? It's not one set thing. Yeah. yeah. But things interfere with, you know, the time it takes for these mm. species to reach this level of uh, achievement. But what I'm mm. saying is that level of achievement, we have reached it because we are now discoverable, like accidentally discoverable. But yeah. we haven't yeah. received, uh, you know, Martian Ed Sullivan. Yeah. So <laughs> what I'm saying is, if there were aliens, you know, everywhere, the 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 point at which they are discoverable is the point at which they've gone past because we we yeah, would know yeah, about yeah. them. Yeah. So so they they don't become extinct because the problem with that with the Great Filter is it makes things extinct and we never get to know about them. Mm. So if it's possible to discover them, then they've passed it. We, it's possible to discover us. We've passed it. It's happy days. We're safe. <laughs> Yeah. So what? That, so the idea is that if we did discover uh, other alien life, then that would suggest we haven't passed it because it's very unlikely one 
set of life, let alone two, would pass it. So the fact that that, that space is silent and seemingly dead Mm. would suggest at the moment that we have managed to surpass the great filter at some Mm. point in our in our evolutionary past you know Hmm. oh yeah i've got myself confused yeah yeah so maybe that's a it's a good thing that space is silent and if and if uh, yeah so on that assumption if we did suddenly discover alien life that would then suggest that we haven't yet come across the filter and that may be of great practical concern we may want to divert more resources into figuring out what this extinction event might be so that we could possibly avoid it I've forgotten what my original question was now. This always happens. What you were saying, what's the implication for the everyman, wasn't it? Oh, right, yeah. So, Dan, you said that it, 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 it would depend on the type of alien we were talking about. Yeah, and, and, and I think on contact. If we're talking about we detect life somewhere, but there's no possibility of contact... Then, mm. then yeah, I think for most people, it, it would, unless you're a specialist in the area, and again, partly it would depend on the, the level of stuff we're talking about that's, that's found, it, it's of no mm. no real change, I think. I yeah. mean, mm. most people don't think about the fact that there are, there's other sentient life on this planet, never mind yeah. you know, <laughs> another planet. So it probably, and we, we've actually, we've already had that kind of run through back in, I think it was probably 1996, uh, but it turned out to be a false alarm, but only subsequently. So I don't know whether you remember. Um, What's that? When I was actually on holiday in Spain at the time, and it was all over the front page of the newspapers that they'd found bacteria on Mars, or at least fossilized mm. bacteria. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. And it, 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 that's ever since then, it's been controversial and largely um, seen as kind of a you know, false information or a, a wrong interpretation of what, what was discovered. But, you know, I was there in Spain, people read the newspapers, put the newspapers down, just carried on drinking. (laughs) So, yeah, in that sense, it probably wouldn't make any difference. Yeah. I think if it doesn't have an implication on our... Like, if we go back to the June excerpt, where, like, life sustains life, if the alien life existing on Mars doesn't have any implication for our, our ecosystem, or... Like, if we find alien life, oh, look at that, we've discovered there's bacteria on Mars, and now climate change is completely reversible. Like, that's not, mm. it's, there's no, there's no real world implication to finding yeah. out. And even also, we've been, I feel like we've been neglecting the fact that if you can um, observe alien life on a planet that's like, I don't know, like 200, 2000 light years away, mm. you're looking at a 2000 year old planet like we don't know what that life is like now as we are and it's like relative but from from our perspective we're seeing something that happened 2000 years ago so that that planet could be completely dead like we have no idea so there's until there's an alien like in our skies being like yo I come in peace or whatever there's no I don't think it matters. I don't think it matters. I don't think there is that implication. And it probably doesn't matter because most people can just happily reconcile that belief with their with their pre existing web of Mm. beliefs. I kind of guess that's what Carl's question was about because perhaps religious people would have certain beliefs which would um, which would be more likely to come into conflict with this new mm. information that aliens exist on other planets. Mm. Yeah. Um, but I guess for for most people, it's just like oh, okay, yeah, I can I can take that. It doesn't it doesn't obviously contradict anything I already think or feel about the about the world. Maybe most people kind of just operate on the assumption that they're that they're not alone anyway. Mm. I, I was always bothered. You know, uh, the movie Independence Day, classic, great movie, Will Smith's breakout movie, I think. Um, but uh, there's there's a scene where just before the aliens start annihilating everybody, yeah. um, some people are having a party on a roof yeah. that are like welcoming the aliens. And there's there's one of the characters who's a minor character who gets eradicated by the giant laser. Um, she's holding up a sign like saying, you know, take me to your leader or whatever, or welcome <laughs> home ET or something like that. And they're like, yeah. And no, welcome home uh, Elvis, isn't it? Welcome home Elvis, right? Yeah. Like and that, so yeah. I'm. I whenever I watch that film, I'm like, that's just stupid. Like, I can I can believe the aliens. I can I can buy all that with the tentacles. But that a human would act in that way has just always seemed like so bizarre to me. But you're telling me now that as far as you're concerned, 
yeah, you can believe that. That seems fine. Because I just think well, that's... That I think it's unbelievable. welcome. Yeah. Like, I, I, we'll I, welcome I, aliens. I think no, I think there'll be panic in the streets. Do you I think? Mean, you, yeah. No? I think there'll be you some wouldn't... people. There will be... There Absolutely, there. There are some people that think they can solve climate change by having sex with the ground. Like, there are people out really? there that believe that. Yeah. I can't I'll give it a go. They're called, like, <laughs> <laughs> they're called, like, ecophiles or something like that. And they think oh, that, wow. you know, the Earth... Okay. She just needs some, you know, she just needs some, some loving. Love. So what? So why do you think people would lose their shit, Carl? They, you, yeah, like. So we're talk, we're talking about Independence Day level aliens here. Is yeah. that what we're talking about? Big okay. big saucer. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, yeah I, okay, I, I, I can see that people would shit their pants then. Yeah, <laughs> but even even I mean, okay, not the bacteria because they yeah. they they didn't. But I mean, if if we if we for example if we found a um, a transmission of yeah. the alien Ed Sullivan. Mm. Yeah, New Year's Eve that. party or whatever from their 1953. Um, I, I think I think people, you know, if we if we if we saw like an image of aliens, just like yeah. uh, in a chat show, like there's a Graham Norton uh, alien <laughs> who's just having an interview with a guy. I, I think people would 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 become terrified by it. Yeah, but the bacteria, no. But maybe the even the space chimps. I think people would 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 I lose think, it. I, I think the, the propensity for art species to be so racist all the time yeah i think they'd be like people would just assume people assume that other people are going to do to us what we think we'll do to them which is like killing them enslaving Mm. them taking advantage of them but also i think maybe maybe a lot of people so you said that if an alien shows up and is getting interviewed by graham norton a lot of people might just not believe it it would take a (laughs) while i think for that to seep into to the public consciousness in such a way that it's like, oh yeah, they they're around, they exist. But just to know. clarify, the alien isn't being interviewed by Graham Norton. Oh, I thought there's that's what you said. Alien Graham no, Norton. There's an alien. An, an yeah. alien. We're just getting a broadcast. It, it happened thousands of years ago. Alien. And the Graham alien Graham Norton is interviewing a human. So then. it's that's like no, oh, no, no, get, no, no, no. We get like a message, and it's like, oh, what's this? We open it, and it's alien Graham Norton. Yeah, speaking to alien, alien George Clooney. Yeah, alien George Clooney. Okay, about his new alien film, which is that's... like about, which is like gravity, yeah, but yeah, with yeah. aliens. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's it's about um, a race of um, you know ape-like aliens that come mm. in big spaceships and, and attack <laughs> okay. his planet. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. People may freak out. People may freak out. <laughs> I think they would. Yeah, of course they would. So to wrap things up, uh, Dan, does it matter if aliens exist? Yes, no, or nobody knows and you shouldn't ask? I would say yes. Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, no. Okay. Carl, what do you think? I also think yes. Okay. Jimmy? I'm yes too. Oh, God, wow. Pressure's on now, Alex. Oh my god. I just think it's really subjective, you know. Um... No, no soapboxes. <laughs> that's not an option. You know. <laughs> yes. Oh, unanimous. Well, that's... Oh, yeah, yes. I feel as though we've really solved a, a problem there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No caveats, Alex? You're happy with that? I was going to say no, because that's what I came in with. But then I realised if there's even the slightest possibility that it does matter, then it has to matter. Right, that's an interesting... Do you know what I mean? Premise, yeah. Because I can be like, oh, no, it doesn't really matter here, it doesn't really matter here. But if it matters in, like, one sense, then I can't be like, no, it doesn't matter. Because it does matter in at least one tiny bit. So since you can't rule out all senses in which it might matter, you're going to conclude that it... Does but matter. it does, yeah. Okay. I think that's, that's interesting. logic. Well, fair enough. That's it for this episode of Armchair Opinions. Thank you so much for listening and thank you, Dan, for joining us. Be sure to subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. Five stars only, please. And find us on our website, armchairopinions.org, where you can send in questions for the armchair philosophers. Join us next time when we will be inspecting an opinion about cloning and identity. Bye for now. Bye. Bye. Theo, do you think it matters if aliens exist? Well, actually, 
I mean, yeah, the apocalypse could be right next door. Right, the apocalypse. Yeah, the apocalypse. Boy, you haven't heard of apocalypse? The end of the world. Yes, the apocalypse. You think aliens would bring about the end of the world? Well, uh, maybe if we offer the pizza and refuse politely for no apocalypse, maybe not. I mean, technically, aliens in films and everywhere, they tend to bring the apocalypse.